Hey everybody, it's Miss Louisiana USA 2014, Brittany Kidry, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. My guest today entered and won her first pageant in 2009 at the age of 15, the Miss Louisiana Teen USA competition. She went on to represent Louisiana at Miss Teen USA, placing fourth runner-up. Then, in 2014, at age 21, she captured the title of Miss Louisiana USA and went on to place third runner-up at Miss USA. She has traveled the country modeling for designers Sherry Hill, Ugg, Candace Pelletier, and Madison James, and she had the opportunity to model in New York Fashion Week and has had several spreads in national magazines such as New You and Seventeen Magazine. She now resides in New Orleans where she owns and operates her pageant consulting business called Empowering Crowns and loves knowing every girl that walks out of her studio will take the skills that they learned with them for the rest of their lives. The dynamic Brittany Guidry. Always have great conversations with you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Good morning, Tim. <laughs> so uh, I, I know that you claim to have been a tomboy, and I think that the, the dress that you bought for Miss Louisiana Teen USA, the first pageant you ever did, was, I, what, the second dress that you ever bought? So, you know, if, you were, su- if so you were such a tomboy, why, why compete in pageants? That is a great question, Tim. I think I got myself into, you know, I, I bit off more than I can chew when I decided to do pageants for sure. Um, I had always been encouraged to do pageants from one of my aunts because she was involved with pageant systems and modeling. She was actually Britney Spears' first um, agent. Fun little oh, fact there, right well, there. there but uh, Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so she always encouraged me and talked to my mom about it. And I, I honestly just didn't give it the time of day. I was into swimming and softball and volleyball. And I just, I love sports. So one day, my first dress ever was my first communion dress. And then one day when I was 14, I, my mom was cooking and we got a little pamphlet in the mail and I'll never forget. She was stirring in the pot and I said, mom, I think I want to do a pageant. She dropped the spoon and turned around and said, you know, you have to wear makeup for that. Right. And I looked at her and I said, um, we can talk about that. Maybe some chapstick and some powder. I literally said chapstick, not even lipstick. <laughs> and so she said, okay, well, let's do a smaller system and see if you like it. And if you like it, we'll, you know, go all out and do Miss Louisiana Teen USA. And I did a smaller system. She did have to call my aunt and my aunt had to tell me I had to wear makeup. So that was the end all be all to makeup and me falling in love with that. Um, but yeah, it turned out great and I loved it. And then the next year I entered into the Miss Louisiana Teen USA competition. So you were in, you were really into sports and this, uh, pamphlet comes in the mail. What about the pamphlet just kind of triggered you to say, 
yeah, let's let's give it a go. Honestly, Tim, I was reading the pamphlet and I said, you know, I think it's time to learn how to be a lady because I was just such a tomboy <laughs> and I did everything with my dad and my brother and my mom was in school my whole life and she worked full time. And it, it's not to say we didn't have, you know, fun and time with each other, but I definitely spent more time with the boys. So um, deciding to do pageants was something my mom and I really got to bond over and spend some extra time with. Um, each other doing. And so I was really glad to have that with her. Now, it sounds like your whole family's into pageants. I believe you have uh, another family member who was Miss Louisiana, correct? Yes, I do. Michelle uh, Berthelot West was Miss Louisiana in 2008. So it is something that does kind of run in my family um, and definitely get a lot of support from my family as well. Was it something where, you know, as you saw that pamphlet and said, you know, I need to be more of a lady, but you also, was she kind of a a role model or a hero in your mind? So her mom, the, my aunt that I kept talking about was actually her mom that kept, you know, telling my mom and myself that I should really get into this. You know, I had all the potential in the world. Um, I really think she, I don't know that she saw my beauty right away. I think she was family and maybe was biased to that, but she saw my rawness. And I think she saw that I was just comfortable being myself. And that's something as a coach too, Tim, that, Teens are really hard. Um, it's tough to really know who you are as a teen, right? Because you're still discovering yourself. And I think she saw in me that I just had like a good sense of who I was. Um, so she was like, "Brittany should really do this, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I, what's interesting to me is the fact that you were so raw, but you had this desire to compete. You go in 2009, enter your first competition, Miss Louisiana Teen USA. You win. But not only that, then you go to nationals and you get top five. You're fourth runner up. Uh, so yeah. what, what, was, what was it about you at that time that, that made you successful in your mind? Something that I kind of hang my hat on for both teen and Miss STEM is mentality. I think mentality is everything, not just in pageantry and any aspect of life. If you are entering a pageant and you don't believe, or any competition, and you don't believe that you could win, that's your number one problem right there. I mean, you have to know you are capable and deserving of what you're going after. And I think that was my first pageant training ever was actually a leadership conference. It wasn't modeling lessons. It wasn't coach, coaching, uh, interview coaching lessons. It was a leadership conference that had a mentality toughness portion. And I just remember diving into that and really taking that with me throughout my pageantry journey. And I still use the tools that I learned in that conference with my girls to this day. Did you feel like you knew who you were as a teen at that time? I felt that I had a good sense of who I was growing into and I knew who I was at that specific time. And I feel like that's what's important to remember, you know, although you still have so much time to grow and change and that that's good. You know, you're supposed to evolve as a human like that. You'll forever change. You still need to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like right now. And so, yeah, as a teen, I think, I think it's important that they focus on, you know, just being comfortable with themselves and who they are right now, but knowing that they will change in time. And, you know, the next year, if their answer is different to a question that they were asked the year before, that is okay. They shouldn't second guess themselves just because that answer is different. They should be confident that they are growing into the woman that they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So you finished uh, top five at nationals and then you, you go to, you, and you take a break. Talk about why you took the break uh, or maybe just why you decided to come back eventually. I took a break because 
exactly what we just keep talking about. I wanted to find more of myself and what I liked outside of pageantry. I feel like that is a big, big thing. You know, girls join pageants and they're, this is their goal, but they forget about what else they love outside of pageantry. And that's really important. The judges want to hear that you have another goal in mind than just becoming the next Miss Louisiana USA or whatever your state title or whatever you're going to represent. They want to know that, you know, win or lose, you're still going to be this amazing person outside of this. And if you are that amazing person, most likely winning will be that outcome. But I think it's important to have other goals outside of pageantry. And so for me, that little break was finding what I loved outside of pageantry to where I could really walk into that interview and not just have Miss Louisiana as my goal. I knew that was just a job that was going to be tacked on to my other loves and responsibilities. What were some of those other loves that really kind of just kept you going? Well, school was really important for me at the time. And then I had joined a sorority at my school and I really fell in love with our philanthropy, which was St. Jude. So I, I did a lot of work with that philanthropy and my sorority then. Um, I also found a love for bowling. I know that uh, that's probably my favorite <laughs> pastime. I, lo- <laughs> I loved it as a kid, but um, actually in that time, in my little break, my grandmother had passed away. And when we were going through her thing, she had a brand new pair of bowling shoes. And so it's, it's something that I feel connected to her in when I do it. And it's also just something that I've grown to love. So bowling, gardening, I found a love for that as well in that time. Um, but just some things that I could kind of step away from the world and kind of have my own meditation in. And that's what I really found that I enjoy and fall in love with. So 2014 rolls around, you decide to, di- you decide to dive back in. Uh, you do Miss Louisiana USA. You win. Go to nationals. Mm-hmm. Once again, top five. Obviously, this is a little bit different because now you're on national television. You're answering uh, big questions. Talk about that experience compared to what you went through at teen for those who you know, have competed in teen and are thinking about doing Miss again? Honestly, I guess I did look at teen and say, you know, what can I take from that and bring to Miss? And it was honestly a lot of just how I prepared. You know, for teen, I made sure, again, my mentality was in check. But also, for me, details went. You know, having every tea cross and I got it. I didn't just pack a bunch of outfits in my suitcase and a bunch of jewelry. I had every outfit planned for every single day and every event. Even if I didn't know if I was going to that event or not, I brought an outfit for it because that made me more confident walking in to that competition, knowing that I was prepared for every single little thing. So the things that I did, um, you know, that I found I did right and helped me at Miss Teen USA, I definitely brought those to Miss USA. Um, But I definitely think, like you said, it's that nationally televised competition. So I did approach it a little differently and just, interview preparation and things like that. I wanted to uh, make sure that I sounded great on camera. Being from Louisiana, especially very down south Louisiana, I grew up with a thick accent. Um, So I really practiced, you know, things like that um, to really just have that step above and polish, you know, having me polished on camera and whatnot. So I did prepare for it a little differently in that aspect, in the interview aspect. But like I said, mentality is just super important for me and something that I definitely preach. So Having that mental clarity walking into that competition and, again, knowing that you deserve it and you've done everything you can to be there, but also knowing, you know, win or lose, you are ultimately the same person, I think is the best way to approach that, com- that competition and 
the way to go in and just be yourself and be able to have fun, you know, be prepared, know yourself, but know that you are ultimately the same person with or without that Miss USA crown. Well, I did read something that I thought was really cool. And that is the fact that the, uh, the competition was, you know, in your backyard, basically, and your parents bought like uh, 200 tickets for family and friends. Is that right? Tim, that was so crazy. Oh my gosh. So yes, I had the best support system at Miss USA. I will never forget the day my mom and I went pick up Miss USA tickets or even just trying to get everyone's information. And before we actually had to set up basically little people in different regions of the state to do pass outs of tickets. And we had to um, gather because my mom was just said she was going to put all the tickets on her credit card and then we would, you know, get everyone to pay us back or whatever. But we had to end up putting three credit cards down because we maxed out all three of those credit cards <laughs> just on the tickets. Nice. And we actually picked up 256 tickets for the Miss USA competition. So I had a whole portion wow. of the theater and I will never forget the first time they, they, the pageant actually began on that Sunday night and they started rolling and it was when the contestants were kind of going through in that beginning introduction. And I guess I popped up on the screen. The, sh- the stage actually shook, Tim. I'll never forget it from all of the people in the audience just screaming. Well, that's but what it there, should be like. There was no better yeah, there was no better feeling than having that support. None. Um, well, obviously, they helped you out because you did very well. Um, you get third runner-up. Uh, do you remember your top five question? I will never forget my top five question. <laughs> um, I tried to forget it, I think, but <laughs> no, I will never forget it. Honestly, I kind of forget the way that the question was asked. I'll never forget what I said, and I'll never forget not being able to finish my answer because the audience just cheered so loud after I got a few words out. Yeah, I think it, it had something to do with Guantanamo Bay and Bo Bergdahl. Um, but regardless of that, mm-hmm. uh, the answer garnered a ton of attention after the pageant. Um, you were invited on the Sean Hannity show to talk about your answer. Um, you know, as Miss USA is approaching here and girls are preparing for this and, you know, it, it happens every year. There's always that one question that really tends to you know, take the media by storm the next day. Can you talk about what it's like to go through the experience of answering a tough and sometimes politically charged question um, and then feeling that heat afterwards? Absolutely. Um, I actually, if you go back and watch the video when they asked me the question, Tim, you can see me have like a little smirk on my face, like a little grinning smirk. And it's because I was so glad they asked me that question. And it's because I was prepared for it, honestly. That whole week before is when the of the drama that's going on around that topic. And I just remember reading up on it. You know, I was not scared to be asked the question because I knew I had gained the knowledge and knew my stance on, on just the topic. And so I was really excited to have that question. But I think that is the biggest thing. If you are going into a competition and you are asking yourself, are the judges going to ask this? Do I need to be prepared for this question? you should absolutely 100% prepare for that question. If it is coming to, like just coming into your mind or you are having the intuition that you could be asked this, you are putting that out there and I 100% believe it can absolutely come back to you. And that's exactly, I think, what I did with this question. I had thought about it so long and hard the week before, but I prepared for it. And so ultimately when they asked me that question, I was so excited because I had the opportunity to showcase 
all of my preparation, right? Um, I do wish I could have got a few more words out, but I loved having the support of the crowd there. And it was, it played out exactly how it was meant to be. But I think going into a competition and being scared of that political question or that hard top five question, don't be scared of it. Be prepared for it. Well, in my opinion, I think that's the difference between who wins and who loses. And, you know, maybe it's not who loses, but just who wins. Because if you look uh, at the years directly after yours, 2015, Olivia Jordan knocks her question out of the park. Mm-hmm. Next year, Deshauna Barber obviously knocked hers out of the park. And then the next year, Kara McCullough, uh, same thing. I mean, they all yep. had really strong answers. They were super confident in those answers, and they ended up winning. Um, as you train people now, yep. um, I know that a lot of them, because I talk to a lot of them as well, it's their number one fear is getting up in front of those cameras and answering a really tough question. How do you deal with them and, and, and teach them how to overcome that fear? The fear part, I honestly think, Tim, comes from their doubt and them not being prepared. Uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice is I always give to my girls, and especially the ones going to, to Miss USA, I find this more frequent than not, they do have doubts and they do get nervous before the competition, but they almost don't allow themselves to let that kind of surface and make themselves aware of where that is coming from. And then, you know, allocating time to focus on that to better themselves to where they don't have those doubts. And then they're confident in that rather than. So I really train them to when they get nervous, See where those nerves are coming from. Is it your interview? Is it your runway walk? Where is that coming from? Let's dedicate two extra hours this week to focusing on whatever you're nervous about. And that's going to give you the confidence going into that competition. So those nerves and just being scared, Tim, I really think come from them just honestly not being as prepared as they want to be. So it's just putting that extra time in. And that's where, you know, I said earlier, details went. Putting that extra time in is taking care of those details that make you scared and that make those, you know, nerves surface. So just eliminate those by preparing yourself. And that's where that confidence comes in. I like that. I like that. So uh, I was reading, and I didn't know this because I know your dad, but uh, apparently he told you (laughs) that if you won Miss Louisiana, that he would buy you a car. Is that true? Yes. My dad loved to make bets with me uh, when I did pageants. And um, yep, when I was teen, he said, if you win Miss Louisiana Teen USA, you get a four-year scholarship, so I'll buy you a new car. So I shook his hand, and after I won, he came up on stage. I said, all right, when we're going car shopping. That's awesome. Did you think he was serious? Uh, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was definitely going to hold him accountable to that. I mean, so, he works at a dealership. He could work at something out, you know? Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he had a little tie-in there. What did you end up getting? I got a – so he works at a Chevrolet dealership, so I got a brand-new Chevy Malibu, and when he brought it home for me to look at, I wouldn't even let him take it back to the dealership. I was like, no, it's got to stay here. It can't even leave. Because like I was so good. scared he would come back with it. Yeah, well, I was really scared he would come back with another color because one time he played a trick on my mom. He came home with a – um, a bright yellow Monte Carlo, and she was just shocked because she was driving a Tahoe before that. And my dad brings home this bright yellow sports car, and my mom's like, "You better take that back to work, Craig." <laughs> but and it, he ended up getting her the red one, just like it. <laughs> well, that's cool. Your dad's a good dude. I don't dude. know that I, that was like much that. better. He is a great man and the best pageant dad. And I, you know, I think I'm, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna make him a T-shirt this year, and I'll bring it down to Louisiana. <laughs> 
he would love that. He would love that. Uh, I, I was reading. I didn't know this. Did you drop out of college uh, when you were a title holder to kind of just take on the role of being a title holder? I did. And you know what? It's one one thing that I do regret because like we were talking about earlier, I really think the judges enjoy seeing that girls have something else that they're focused on and another goal that they have in mind. So that is something that I do plan on finishing. Uh, my mom has definitely proven education is important. She had my brother at a very young age, so she didn't have the opportunity to go to college right out of high school. But she began working full time and she took one class a semester, one night class after work. And after 26 years, she ended up getting her undergraduate. And after three years of that, which this past year made that, she got her CPA license. So she's really instilled education in me and taught me that that is one of the only things someone can never take away from you. So I do plan on finishing my education. Um, but right now I'm just having a lot of fun with Empowering Crowns. And my mom's kind of jealous too, because she's like, hey, she's my CPA, of course. She's like, you're making just as much money as me before I got my CPA. This isn't fair. <laughs> and that's a good way to go <laughs> so about it. I'm, exactly. So she's proud of me, but uh, we're both still on the same page that I do want to finish that education. Just to do it for myself more or less than anyone else. Well, Empowering Crowns is now your career. Um, you've taken pageantry and turned it into a career, which I think a lot of girls would like to do. Um, so let's talk a little bit about it. I've got a couple of different questions here. Number one, um, as you mm -hmm. coach a lot of girls for both the state and national level, obviously some of them are going to nationals right now, what do you see mm -hmm. as the biggest challenges that they deal with? And I think we should separate that into two categories. Number one, let's talk about the teens. What's the biggest challenge for them? By far is, well, I think they have two challenges. One we've kind of already talked about is, really just kind of getting to know themselves and where they are at that point, because they're just, they're still growing into the person that they're going to become. But I think knowing yourself at that time is one of the best things you can do for yourself, but it is very hard as a team. The second one that I think is so hard for them are their support systems. I get so many times my team's coming in and this is a perfect example. One came in my studio the other day and she had, she asked me, you know, her friends are asking her, do you think you can win this title that you're going out for? And she, she looked at me and she said, I don't know how to answer them. And I was confused. I mean, I looked at her and I said, what do you mean you don't know how to answer them? Do you not think you're capable of winning or do you not think you deserve it? And she said, no, I just don't want to answer them and sound conceited about it. Or, you know, them think that I'm not humble or something, you know, that kind of, that's what she, her point was trying to get across. And that was so confusing for me because I just thought to myself and I actually told her, I said, anyone that you can, that you're surrounding yourself with, that you cannot talk about your goals with and you being capable of achieving them, you should not be surrounding yourself with. I think a lot of my teens aren't willing to sacrifice their popularity for people that will actually support their goals around them. And that's the thing that I see a lot of my teens struggle with is, you know, having their friends judge them rather than support them. And um, I think that's just, you know, who you surround yourself with. And I know that is hard as a teen, but, you know, it may mean instead of hanging out with so many of your friends at your high school, hanging out with more of your pageant friends. And that's exactly what I did when I was in high school. I didn't, I was kind of friends with everyone. I didn't have that, you know, click or group but it was because I also didn't spend a lot of time with the people I went to school with on the weekends because I didn't I didn't feel like I could talk about my goals with them and reaching them that was my pageant friends for me and so I did a lot of appearances and invited my pageant friends with me on the weekends 
And I did have some friends from school, but I was willing to make that sacrifice of that popularity in high school. And I think that's what a lot of these teens struggle with nowadays. So what you're saying, and I think I get this, is a lot of them, they, you know, they obviously want to be maybe part of the, let's, we'll call it the popular crowd in high school, but sometimes that's not yeah. the best crowd to hang out with. And if, if you want to go achieve a goal, because, you know, they might demean you or tell you, what, what are you thinking? I mean, just stay here. You're fine. You don't need to go do that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, sometimes it can be to the extent of them, you know, helping you make poor decisions and you just going along with it because of peer pressure. And that's definitely not what you should be surrounding yourself with. If you're going after, you know, a state title holder and thinking, and you're wanting to represent your state, I feel like that's the hardest thing for teens is really separating themselves and making those right decisions there um, and really reflecting their pageant life into their real life almost if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And then how about the Miss Division? Um, obviously a little bit different age group, different life experience. What seems to be the biggest challenges with the girls that you coach? With them, honestly, it's their confidence and not second-guessing themselves once they get to the competition. I have so many of my misses that will get in the studio and we cross every T and we dot every I and then they get to the competition and somebody told them, well, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that or you know, instead of them just learning who they are and going into that interview and just presenting them best selves, they're listening to somebody that told them they should say this exactly like that, or they need to make sure the judges know this, or you do all of these things, make sure the judge knows every single thing about you. Statistically, in a two-minute interview, which is typical for the USA, the judges are going to remember five to seven percent of what you say. That's not even a whole sentence in a two-minute interview, Tim. I don't know if anyone realizes that. That is a, a topic. That's, you know, your philanthropy, the color dress you wore, or maybe just, you know, you and the judge had a great time. And like I said, they remember you by the color you were in or that pretty girl that works with St. Jude all the time. They don't remember your whole conversation after 60 interviews. I mean, how did you judge Tim? I mean, can you relate to that any after all of those interviews? You just remember them by like a specific topic or something you may have talked about. Am I right in saying that? Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, if, if the, for those listening, if you kind of want to learn how it works, I mean, it just depends on which state you're in. But, you know, I, uh, when I judged the last one I've judged in Iowa, uh, it was a panel judge. And so we basically get a packet 30 minutes ahead of time and they say, you know, just kind of go through and find a highlight or one or two things about each girl that you'd like to ask them about. And then, you know, as a panel, each one of us can, you know, knock out one or two questions. And I usually, I always tell the girls this when I'm working with them is when I'm talking to you, I'm literally looking for two things, confidence, eye contact, and then obviously, you know, the, the substance of your answer uh, is, is number three. But in those few seconds that I get to actually converse with you, you're, you're telling me everything right there. I mean, you know, that, that tells me everything I need to know as a judge as to whether you're probably going to make my 15 or not or my 10 or 5 or whatever it is. Um, at the uh, other side of things, you know, where uh, down in Louisiana is an example where it's one-on-one uh, -on -one judging, um, that's a little bit different story because now you are focused. But when you're in a panel judge like you are at nationals, I mean – most girls that I talk to, when they get done with it, they call me and they'll be like, that was the easiest interview I've ever done because it literally is like two minutes. Mm -hmm. You hardly have enough time to get to know your name. And really, all they're looking for is body language, confidence, presence, and knowledge. And you're done. And it's like, exactly. okay, that was it. Exactly. And I think the confidence part is exactly what that goes hand in hand with, right? If you walk into that interview and you're just 
looking to have that great conversation and walk in there with your best confident self for going forward, that's what the judges are going to see. And that's that one thing they're going to remember, right? But if you're just worried about walking in and getting all that information that you think is so important out to the judge, and you're just trying to force all this information out, it's probably not going to work in your best interest rather than you just sitting there conversing with the judge and having a great time. I think that's the the biggest thing for misses is that they just, they doubt their doubt, you know, instead of walking in there and knowing they have that great job, knowing, knowing who they are, knowing their hobbies, knowing what they like, knowing what they hate and just presenting that, that best, their best self and their most confident self to the judges, like you're saying. Well, and what you said earlier was dead on. It's the, I call it the too many cooks in the kitchen syndrome where you know, they'll come to you for coaching. You guys will have a focus and a plan and we're, this is exactly how we're going to do it. And then mom or a friend or somebody yeah. else who competed before yeah. will say, no, 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 you should probably do this. And then they get totally confused. And then they're like, what should I do? And my answer to them is always this, because a lot of the girls will say, if I'm in top five question and they ask me a question and I've got a couple of different ways I could answer it, what should I do? And my answer is always pick one and go. I mean, you've just got, you've got yeah. to commit. Just go. Absolutely. <laughs> I always say react, don't think. Just react, you know. Don't sit there and think about the question. Say whatever comes off the top of your head. And if you prepare, like I have an 80-page interview binder, Tim. If they go through that, I mean, ask them those silly questions. Like if you were a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? And what would you call, your, call that sandwich? Like that is so ridiculous. But I've had girls ask that before an interview as crazy as that sounds. And if you're prepared <laughs> for it, you're going to immediately have an answer for it. But if you're not, you're going to have to sit there and think about it. And you might come up with eight different answers. But like you're saying, say the first one that comes to mind. Don't sit there and go down that spiral. Just speak and react. Well, let's talk about your coaching business as a career. Now, uh, you know, I see a lot of former competitors out there who, you know, once they're done, they decide, you know, I, I kind of, I think I'd like to start some kind of coaching business. And it becomes a hobby. They help out, you know, five or 10 girls, mm -hmm. uh, but most of them don't ever really make it. I mean, there's only a few of you out there. There's, uh, well, I shouldn't say a few. There's probably 20 or 30 main coaches out there that I, I see around the circuit. At what point mm -hmm. did you realize I could take this and do it full time and make a, a real income out of it? I honestly never thought of it in another way, Tim. It was always that for me. I knew the I knew what I could do with this business. I saw my growth through pageantry and that's what I wanted to be able to do for other girls. I like to say these girls come to me and they're this mine diamond, right? They still have the dirt on it and it's still, you know, unpolished. And when they walk into my studio, I just kind of polish them and shape them up a bit, but they're still that same diamond that was originally mined, right? I just had to polish them up a little bit. And that's what that's what I like to say I do. And that is what's the most rewarding for me too, is seeing these girls grow so much more confident in themselves. And so for me, it was never, you know, oh, this could really be a full-time thing. It was always that for me because I knew it wasn't just pageantry that needed this. I mean, I train girls that do dance competitions and have the interview portion. And I just train them in that interview portion. Cause trust me, I'm not training them in that dancing portion. I am the most terrible dancer, but <laughs> You know, it's really, it's not just pageantry that needs this. And that's where I'm turning my interview book into an actual published book. And I'm not just focusing it on pageantry because interview in general just needs 
to be a topic that's talked about because we are seeing social media take over and technology take over and communication skills are dwindling down as that becomes more prominent. So it is something that I just always constantly remember my why and it was never something that was that is just part time for me. This is something that has always been my this is my full time thing. Well, you just brought up something that I think is a really good point, and I, I would love to know from your standpoint as a coach what it's like to kind of overcome this, and that is this generation grows up in uh, the social media world, and they're used to mm-hmm. texting more than anything. You know, the verbal face-to-face communication is just not the style that they grew up with, kind of like, you know, I did. I mean, I'm obviously twice the age of most of these girls, so I have a different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see that when I get on stage with a lot of them is that they're just not used to that one-on-one communication. How do you help them to overcome that? I think the biggest thing, and I really love how RPM has restructured their entry fee. You know, the girls have that lower entry fee that they have to pay, and then they have the two $500 sponsorships that they have to get. The things that make you the most uncomfortable are probably the things that are going to help you the most as far as preparation, going get those sponsors. I have girls that completely dread going get those two $500 sponsors. And it's because they have to basically have a business meeting with these people and tell them why they're competing for the, for this pageant. I don't know why that's so hard because they should be able to answer that in an interview. Right. Um, but that is also something that they have to learn about themselves too. So them having to go out into the community and get these sponsors and, ha- you know, setting up these meetings, communicating with those potential sponsors, I think that is so helpful. So for me, with my girls that are scared um, because they've just been so, uh, I guess, submersed in this age of technology, I really tell them to start treating everyday conversation like it is a pageant interview and then going out and even have having those meetings, those sponsorship meetings is helpful too. But even I give them the example in the grocery store, you see one of mom's friends and she says, Oh, Hey guys, what have y'all been up to? And instead of just saying busy and moving on, actually utilize that as pageant interview prep. What have you been up to explain? And that person's probably going to be so impressed with you after you just answered that simple question. And they're going to be more happy to converse with you as well and tell you what they've been doing instead of just saying busy, oh, and moving on, right? So I think just treating everyday conversation like it is pageant interview can help make that not not such a scary portion of the competition and really help in those conversational skills. Yeah. And I look, I think a lot of girls ask, you know, what is pageants going to do for me when I'm done? And I think you just hit it on the head. You've got Uh to learn how to sell yourself. And that's really all it comes down to. Whether you want to work online one day in a cubicle or or from home, you're always going to have to sell yourself. You're still going to have to have FaceTime or Skype meetings. You're still going to have to talk to people. You're still going to have to basically pitch who you are and why what you have is interesting or valuable to someone. So that's really what pageants are going to do for you is because when you go to Miss USA or Miss America or Miss United States or whatever they are, you're selling yourself to America, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just there, like you're saying in any interview. And even more so, I like to say you gave the example, even if you're interviewing to, you know, be in that cubicle, 
that's even more so to have this preparation, like more rewarding to have this preparation because the people that are interviewing for that job position probably are going to be just at that level playing field rather than having that extra spark that this pageant interview will give you an interview. And you're completely right. It is simply just selling yourself. Well, and the, the fact that you say that, I've had a lot of uh, broadcast news professionals on here that are former pageant girls, and they mm-hmm. all tell me that when they go into interview, that is one, the one thing that usually stands out to the person interviewing them, whether it be a news director, a general manager, an agent, whatever it may be. They always say, you know, the, the pageant girls that sit at my desk are always the most prepared, and I appreciate that. And so um, there's a stigma out there in the media world, especially, that you know, pageant girls are actually going to bring a lot more to the table than other people, in addition to obviously good looks and the things that go along with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I don't even think it's just in the media world. I think it's just across the board. And that's exactly why every single resume that I've ever had to turn in, I put Miss Louisiana USA was one of my jobs. And they always ask, you know, how do they think that helped prepare me in life? And I love answering that question because it's simply the interview skills, the confidence it just gave me in myself as well. Those two things in general, I think, can get you a very long way in life. Well, you've obviously done well for yourself. You're now five years, basically this year, five years removed from competing. Mm -hmm. Um, You've transitioned into professional life. You're an entrepreneur. You've started a coaching business. So I want to ask you two things if I could. Number one, What was the hardest part of making the transition from being in pageants to now having to basically start your professional life? Hmm, I've never been asked that question before. I don't know that it was very tough for me. I actually really, really enjoy this side of things, Tim. And I think it's for the reason that I said earlier of just, I really see the transformation that I had in myself through other girls. And so it was never tough for me to kind of remove myself from that. I really love being the the person for the girls that, you know, instead of having to put on this big pretty dress and model it on stage, I'm the one steaming it backstage for the girls and zipping it up and tying the corset. But I actually love being on this side of things. I feel like it wasn't tough for me also because. I feel like I had a good run and I had my time. So I'm really enjoying just being able to share everything that I had learned in pageantry and things that I'm still learning about myself. I think on my side of things and what really helps me in coaching is that I look at my experience and I say, instead of just saying, what got me to top five and how can I share this with the girls? Why didn't I actually win also? And how can I share that with the girls to get them that extra little step to where they can in turn, you know, go to Miss USA and believe that they can be Miss USA too and actually get there. And I think that's a different way to look at things than what people would normally look at things as. But for me, it wasn't very hard. I just think it's being creative in the way that I look at my past experience and how I pay that forward. And question number two is what is the one thing that you wish you would have known when retiring from pageantry that you didn't know? I think for me, it would be what I tell all of my girls. Why are you nervous? Where is that coming from? Let's pinpoint that and let's focus on it. Because for me, I was still a little nervous walking into the Miss USA interview. 
And I do know it's because I just simply could have prepared more for the interview on myself. I feel like I prepared so much to have that tough question on stage, you know, and I really prepared as far as current event topics and things like that. But as far as who I wanted to be as Miss USA and what message I wanted to send as Miss USA, I feel like I could have focused a little bit more on that. And so that's where I do think I could have kind of changed something there. Very good. Very good. Well, I'll tell you what, it's time for the rapid fire get to know Brittany question. So you ready? Yay! Yes. Okay, I'm so 10 ready. questions, game show style. It's pretty simple. Have fun with it. Number one, here we go. Okay. What is your favorite Louisiana delicacy? Ooh, probably eating crawfish at my dad's table. I love it. We just all get together. We sit down and pinch the tail, peel the crawfish. <laughs> that sounds really good. Hey, by the way, what's the stuff that your dad brings to the pageants that he gives us at the after party? Oh, um, bourgeois meat market. Oh, beef jerky. man. <laughs> I, I, that's like my vice. That is so good. <laughs> that should have been my answer. <laughs> All right. Number two, funniest thing that you've ever heard a pageant girl say? Oh, man, there's so many. I know. Oh, this is going to be a tough selection. Oh, my gosh. This one's so tough. So, um, like in top five, pick one and go. I, Tim, there's so much. I can't pinpoint something right now. It'd probably <laughs> have to be like, do I really have to wear this? Or there was so much just at the photo shoot this weekend. <laughs> so it's it's relevant and it's real. I don't know that I can say it all either. I mean, that's no, what I'm probably kind of filtering not. through. I'm like, I can't really say this. I can't really say this. Okay, okay. Well, the pageant well, girls have some pretty unfiltered, um, unfiltered things. We can just say that. Okay. All right, number three. Uh, favorite phase of competition, swimsuit or evening gown? Evening gown by far. Why? I think that's the princess moment. I always just had so much fun. I felt very regal. I felt pristine. I felt like that queen of England in evening gown, and I felt the most myself in evening gown. Um, so that's why I would have to say evening gown for me. All right, number four, favorite city in the United States besides the one that you live in? Of course. I would probably have to say Portland, Oregon. I love flying into that city because in one day I could be in the mountains, I could be on the beach, or I could be in the heart of the city. So definitely Portland, Oregon. All right. Number five, uh, nickname, if you had one, that your parents used to call you? The Queen of 3018. That was our address <laughs> when I was little, 3018. And so they would call me the Queen of 3018. <laughs> love it. Love it. Number six, growing up, who was your idol? My idol was definitely my grandmother. I looked up to her for everything. We didn't have the TV on much as a kid, so I never had like a pop culture idol. Um, but my grandmother was definitely who I turned to for everything. I would watch the way she picked up things. I would watch the way she did her hair. And, you know, those are things that I take with me to this day. All right, way to go, Grandma. Number seven. Yeah. Favorite job or opportunity that you got to do as a result of pageantry? what I'm doing now. Like I said, I get to help so many girls. I get to just help them grow into themselves and give them the confidence that they need. So I would definitely have to say that. And then second to that goes along with the photo shoots that we do when Jonathan Carter comes in. I just get to play as assistant and stylist. And I never thought that styling would be my thing, but I actually have so, so much fun doing that. So that's really enjoyable for me. All right, number eight, and I ask this one because uh, last year at Miss USA, I watched the girls try and do this. Uh, the hardest Louisiana town for outsiders to pronounce. 
really be a town. It'd probably be a street. Any street in the, the French Quarter, Burgundy, <laughs> Papa Toulis, um, <laughs> you know, any of those. I don't know that it would technically be a city, but even my hometown, Homa, people read it and they, they just look at me and they say, how do you say this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's spelled, um, what, so. H-O-U-M-A? Is that right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So, and it's Homa. Yeah, there's... Yes, Homa. So there's there's a few out there, but I would probably say the streets in New Orleans are more complicated than some of the towns. <laughs> okay, so streets. All right, number nine, what, what would be your dream job if you aren't already doing it? My dream job would be to be the next Blue Sierra. I would love to be the one at Miss USA that's helping choreograph the girls down the runway and um, just really helping the girls there. So that would honestly be my dream job. And number 10. What temperature do you like your thermostat at? I like it at 72. I am like a little lizard. I could be in the sun all day. But my boyfriend that I share the house with, he loves it on 68, which I am just like, oh, freezing all the time when it's on 68. So we have a thermostat war going on. <laughs> well, your boyfriend and I would get along because I'm a 68 guy myself. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so cold, even right now. <laughs> All right, well, you're off the hook. Congratulations. That is the 10 questions. Thanks for answering. Absolutely. I've had so much fun. I'm kind of sad it's over with. I know, I know. Well, I look forward to seeing you in Louisiana this year and uh, tell your your family I said hello, and uh, thanks for taking the time today. I know uh, uh, a lot of girls can reach out to you for coaching. Yes, thank you so much, Tim, and please tell Heather I said hello and give that sweet baby girl a kiss for me. Thanks for listening to today's episode and to Brittany Guidry for her time. If you'd like to learn more about Brittany, you can follow her on Instagram at Empowering Crowns, or you can learn more about her consulting business at EmpoweringCrowns.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or just go to LifeAfterTheCrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Have a great week, everybody. See you soon. Hold up. 